The New Statesman. Hello and welcome to the New Statesman podcast. I'm executive producer Chris Stone. Today we're bringing you a live recording from our Path to Power conference, which delved inside the Labour Party machine as it gears up for an election in 2024. In this session, hosted by Sarah Darwood, senior associate editor at the New Statesman, we look at Labour's mission for the UK to become a clean energy superpower. This panel was supported by Lloyd's Banking Group. Right, hello. Um, so I'm Sarah. So now we're going to move on to our first panel of the day, and we're going to be looking at Labour's mission to make Britain a clean energy superpower. Um, so I've got a great panel to discuss this important topic today. Uh, we were initially meant to be joined by Jeff Smith, MP, who was a former shadow for clean power and consumers, but unfortunately he has been reshuffled <laughs> this morning. Um, <laughs> So he does send his apologies. He's got a meeting in his new role, in his new capacity, so he won't, he won't be here in that capacity today. Um, but we've got a great panel, so let me introduce him. We've got um, Oliver Coppard here, who is Mayor of South Yorkshire. Uh, then we've got Abel Martins-Alexander, who is a Managing Director and Head of Infrastructure for Energy and Industrials at Lloyds Banking Group. Um, and then David Hickling, who is Head of UK Public Affairs at RWE. Um, so we'll just start with some opening remarks. Um, so um, Oliver, if you'd like to go first. I, I guess I just want to start with three quick points about where I think we need to go and what's going on. I think the first point I want to make is just that this isn't just a challenge, it's an opportunity, isn't it? It's a huge opportunity for the North, it's a huge opportunity um, for the whole of this country and an opportunity that I'm certainly determined to grasp on behalf of South Yorkshire. The thing that I think I'm acutely conscious of as mayor is that um, this is no longer a technical challenge. So we know how to get where we want to go in terms of net zero, in terms of a sustainable community, in terms of um, building a different type of country. What this is now is a political and social challenge. And that's the challenge that we have to take on. It's the challenge that people like me and Andy and others have to take on in order to lead that charge. But it does have to be an approach that northern mayors, that uh, the north of this country, and places that have so far, I think, over the last 30 years, since the last energy transition been left behind, it has to be an approach, a strategy, an opportunity that we can grasp. And I'm determined in South Yorkshire that that's what we'll do. I mean, we have every uh, opportunity, I think, to do that. So if you look at the assets that we have in South Yorkshire, be it uh, one of nine catapult centres, the UK's first investment zone, the world's first advanced manufacturing innovation district, brilliant people working on things like um, SMR technology, Jet Zero technology, etc. We have every opportunity to be able to bring those jobs, that growth, that opportunity to um, South Yorkshire and use that as an opportunity to make both South Yorkshire fairer and our country fairer. And I think it's incredibly important that we focus on that challenge and opportunity. And then, last but not least, I would just say we have to make sure that we do this with people, not to people. Because the challenges that we face in places like South Yorkshire, a post-industrial community, a place that previously relied on digging things out from under the ground and selling them on, burning them, to make our way in the world. We don't have a community who are naturally always inclined to believe that sustainability and net zero are the way forward, the way to a better, brighter future. And we have to make that case, but we have to do it with our communities, not to them. That's why in South Yorkshire, we've got the UK's biggest regional citizens assembly going on right now 
because I'm determined that we work with people from right across South Yorkshire, a demographically representative group, in order to work out how we get through that transition in a just and fair way. Um, so that is fundamentally important to me because I'm not simply going to impose those changes on people in South Yorkshire. I've got to bring people with us. And that's not just about creating brilliant jobs in factories um, as such as the ones owned by Boeing or McLaren or Rolls-Royce in South Yorkshire. It's about creating great jobs in things like retrofit. And I do think we need a retrofit strategy for this country. And that could be one of the ways to loop back to my first point that we can offer that opportunity to everybody across our country. So I'll leave it there. Thanks, Sonny. Um, Abel? Good morning, everyone. Um, first of all, I want to say that uh, as Lloyds Banking Group, we fully subscribe to uh, making Britain a clean energy superpower. As you will know from my accent, I come from the other side of the channel, so I, um, I, I don't have any political vested interest in this, apart from the fact that my, uh, my children were born here and, uh, and we care a lot about the prosperity of, of Britain. And uh, helping Britain prosper is at the core of the purpose uh, is the very purpose of, uh, of Lloyd's Banking Group. Um, the dimensions of complexities when we talk about uh, making Britain a clean energy superpower are, are many. Uh, there are many challenges and, and many opportunities also. As you, uh, um, but we, we, we like to take, uh, to take an approach around two main topics. Number one, uh, what, well, clean, uh, clean energy. And I think uh, as Lloyd's, we are the largest infrastructure and project finance bank in the UK. We have, over the last five years, financed for £10 billion worth of, of projects. And, uh, and there are a number of financial incentives that the UK have done pretty well, in particular in regards to the contract for, for differences, that need to be consolidated, that need to be reformed, so that we, uh, we, we unleash them and we make uh, public-private funding and partnership uh, more fit for purpose to accelerate um, the, the clean energy. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and, and the fleet of, uh, of uh, all the clean energies in, in the UK. Um, that's, uh, there are a number of non-functional incentives also that need to be, to be considered. Um, and they are, they are around investment in infrastructure, investment in ports, in road and rail links, and very much across the value chain. These will enable more jobs, these will enable uh, the, the, the import and the transport uh, of, uh, of the parts and components that are absolutely essential for, uh, for the infrastructure. Investment in the grid is also a significant challenge. Retrofitting the entire grid is, is, is of absolute uh, importance. And there, there will be a number of other non-functional uh, uh, barriers that need to be overcome, and we can talk about it uh, this morning. There's a second aspect, though, that's quite important, uh, that's very, very core to what we do in Lloyd's Banking Group. It's, uh, it's greening the built environment. Uh, you know, we need a housing retrofit revolution. The housing stock in the UK is, uh, is actually quite poor relative to Europe. Uh, I could say the same thing about, um, about the infrastructure, actually, because one of the advantages of, of my role is to travel around the UK and, um, and the difference in, uh, between the UK and, uh, and the rest of Europe, in particular northern part of Europe, is quite, uh, is quite startling. And I'm not saying this in a positive way, so that's a, that's a challenge but also a significant opportunity. Um, but if we are to unleash the full benefit of clean uh, energy, uh, it has to be felt by people, uh, by, by, uh, by bills. Bills have to reduce, energy has to be affordable. And also, we also need to think about clean energy as, as being a, an export enabler for the UK. So that's within these two aspects, clean energy power, but also the retrofit of the housing environment that we are thinking about uh, 
about the key priorities for, for the UK. Wonderful, thank you. David? Thanks, Sarah. Hello, everyone. Um, and the benefit or disbenefit of going last is most of the people before you've said all your points. So um, <laughs> I can completely agree with what uh, both the previous speakers said. And, and yeah, maybe Jeff not being here today and a fire alarm is a nice metaphor for the bumps you see along the road on the path to power and actually in power as well. So maybe it's actually quite a nice uh, framing of the, the debate that we're going to have today. Perhaps just quickly, a uh, couple of sentences on RWE for those who don't know. We are the UK's largest power producer, produce about 15% of the UK's electricity, about 14 million homes um, that powers. Um, we're one of the largest renewables generators through onshore wind, offshore wind, small-scale hydro, biomass, but also have the largest fleet of gas-fired power stations as well. Um, so coming into not only the clean energy, but also the energy security topic, and we're working to decarbonise them through carbon capture and hydrogen as well. So lots of different technologies in our portfolio. And, and back to the point about levelling up, you know, our investments don't happen in the centre of cities largely. They are in rural areas, they're in coastal communities, they're in Wales, they're in Scotland. So clean energy is an absolutely critical part of the levelling up agenda. Uh, and that's demonstrated by where we employ people and make our investments. So on the clean energy superpower mission, we really welcome it. We think it's a really ambitious policy programme. It needs to be an ambitious policy programme. And we'd, we'd, we'd look forward to working with a future Labour government to work out how they can best implement their ideas, such as GB Energy and the National Wealth Fund, um, as a couple of ideas that, 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 that we've uh, engaged on in the last year or so. And the point that's already been made, but the transition to a cleaner, greener economy is an absolutely an opportunity. Comes with challenges and hurdles, but, but overall a big, big opportunity for the UK. We are facing an increasingly competitive world. Uh, the UK can't afford to fall behind. We can't afford to have some of the missteps that we've seen in the last year under the, under the current government, to put it honestly. So, so a key task for a future Labour government and as part of their policy development process now is to make sure that, that, that the UK is the most attractive destination for investment in clean energy and everything around that um, as we go forwards. Um, the 2030 targets are very ambitious. The current government's 2035 targets are very ambitious, but we do welcome the stretch mentality. The party will inherit a really, really big intray of, of issues that they need to address if they're going to want to achieve those targets. Um, and that includes things like grid connections, network constraints, consenting timescales, political barriers as exist. So just to find, finally say, my three big recommendations for Labour going ahead and into government, three Ps, prioritise. They need to prioritise the objectives uh, ahead of coming into government so they're ready to go on day one because they're not going to be able to do everything, putting it brutally. Uh, they need the plan in place of how to get to 2030 or as close as possible. Uh, and they need to work in partnership with companies like ours um, who are a big driver of that investment that actually delivers the projects they need. And I'll add a fourth as well, people. Because as you see, um, we need to have the people in place well ahead of government to make sure that they are understanding what they need to do. And, you know, it can't all be in Ed Miliband's head and resting on his shoulders. As broad and as, as experienced as they are, Ed's going to need help to, to develop those energy policies uh, in office. Um, so, yeah, they would be my key takeaways. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you, everyone. Um, so just, just a quick stat. So 2020 marked the first year in the UK's history that electricity came predominantly from renewable energy, with 43% of our power coming from wind, solar, bioenergy and hydroelectric sources. I wondered if you could sort of tell me what are the big challenges for Labour around making the UK a clean energy superpower and reaching 100% clean power by 2030, as is their aim? 
Um, would anyone like to start us off with that? David, perhaps? I can jump in, yeah. Covering similar ground, but I think they've got three four big challenges. It's the complexity of the challenge. It's about untangling those deployment barriers and hurdles that we face as a company trying to develop clean energy projects in the UK. So everything I mentioned there, grid, consenting processes, approvals, all of that stuff is quite difficult to untangle. Um, it's the time scale that, that we're hoping to achieve that in. If you're working to five years to 2030, that takes a long time. You know, the projects that are going to meet those, those clean energy targets need to be being developed now, today. Um, so, you know, Labour's already going to be playing catch-up when it comes into office. It's the scale of the upgrades required. Uh, this, as I said, it's not about state money, but it's also about making sure we have the uh, appropriate frameworks in place and holistic planning, looking ahead, thinking about not what investment we just need in one or two years' time or what's facing us now, but in 10 and 15 years' time, how can we put, be putting that, that resilient infrastructure in place so it's easier for us to connect our projects in and we're not waiting five years to plug an offshore wind farm in, which is sometimes what happens now. Opportunities are around creating that certainty and stability. Labour have a great opportunity to re-establish the UK as a prime destination for clean energy investment. Setting out future pipeline capacities for renewables auctions would be a really obvious thing that they could do that a lot of other countries do, so we know what's coming down the line. Supply chain companies who create the jobs know what's coming down the line. And, you know, uh, I whisper it, but um, what all this needs is probably a joined-up comprehensive industrial strategy. And I know Labour on the ball with that, but that's probably... We need that to overarch everything because these problems aren't just siloed. You know, it, it's big systemic issues that we need to tackle. Yeah, I'll I just probably complete. I mean, I agree with, with, with everything. I think strategy is, uh, is absolutely important, and it means consistency, it means long-term planning, it means uh, clear priorities, it means allocation of resources to where... Uh, the impact will be felt the, the most. Um, I mean, the resilience uh, over the long term also uh, depends on diversification of uh, source of energy as well as decentralization. I think the previous panelist talking about uh, talking about devolution, and I think from a business point of view, decentralization is absolutely key. I mean, all our homes should have a solar, a solar panel. That would be the best way of actually ensuring energy security. Uh, so that's a bit of the image, but also we need to be able to, um, and the next government will need to, to be able to think about how to uh, ensure that, uh, as I mentioned earlier on, the um, mechanisms, policy mechanisms are in place to provide long-term investment with uh, the right uh, risk allocation, but also the right returns. Well, that's a CFD regime for, uh, for offshore wind, for onshore wind, but that's also policy mechanisms can be CFD also for hydrogen and CCUS. We need to think about uh, uh, PPAs, uh, uh, power purchase agreements. Um, it's a market that's less developed here in the UK than in Europe or in the US, and there's lots, uh, lots more to do. Again, investment in the grid is absolutely, uh, absolutely essential, and there's, there's, there's a question mark as per where the critical minerals will come from and how affordable they will be, uh, and that's where partnership uh, with the international partners uh, is absolutely critical. Um, uh, the, no, Britain, last time I checked, is, a, is an island, but still a trading island, and uh, international partnerships is absolutely essential. Um, uh, so I think we, we know what needs to be done. Uh, it's really about uh, uh, prioritization indeed, and, and being very, very clear and systematic on how to, where to allocate the effort and the resources to that effect. Mm -hmm. Oliver, did you have anything to add? Yeah, just, well, I think the, the good news is that we're doing all the things that I think you guys are saying you want to see. So those things are already happening up and down the country, um, often uh, led by uh, mayoral combined authorities, 
um, city regions who are kind of essentially doing what you're asking for, which is developing a regional industrial strategy. So South Yorkshire has increasingly got a regional industrial strategy focused on our strengths, particularly around advanced manufacturing, power, propulsion, as I've spoken about earlier, um, small modular nuclear reactors. Those sorts of technologies are the things that we are basing our economic rebirth around. Um, we also have um, grid connections in South Yorkshire that I think are the envy of a load of other places because of the heritage we have in terms of coal mining, steelmaking. Um, so we have um, the plan. We have, I think, to a certain extent, prioritisation. We certainly have partnerships in South Yorkshire. Um, Boeing, as I said, the only manufacturing facility for Boeing um, in the whole of Europe is in South Yorkshire because of those strengths and expertise. And we have a range of those partnerships across the region. But what we don't have is a partner in government who have a long-term strategy for the growth of the clean energy sector. And what that's doing is sucking the confidence out of the market and out of the system. So ultimately what the Labour Party needs to do, will do, absolutely can do, is work with mayors, um, work with leaders across the country in order to be able to put the confidence back into the system and say, this is the plan, this is where we're going and this is when we're going to get there by. I agree, it's an incredibly ambitious set of targets, but I've got no doubt that the assets to build on to actually get to that that level of energy, uh, clean energy, by that date is absolutely there. And um, Oliver, you mentioned a retrofit strategy. What should that look like and how can that help to both bring down consumer bills while also increasing energy efficiency of, of housing stock? Well, it's going to look like a bunch of different things depending on the housing stock and the location. But what it absolutely also has to look like is unlocking the financing that allows it to happen. And that's one of the big challenges that we face in South Yorkshire. There are no shortage of properties that either need or are able to be retrofitted. But unlocking the financing to allow that to happen and to create that long-term strategy for it is part of the challenge. And that is, I think, one of the big challenges that any government is going to face is how we unlock that financing. But it also is, I think, about, again, giving certainty to the market so that people who are currently now at college deciding what skills to try and gain, what qualifications to try and get they're all going to be making decisions right now about the future of their lives and actually unless and until we can say look this is a career you can go into where you can make a good career decent amount of money there are going to be jobs in opportunity out there for you mm. people aren't going to make those choices so again it comes back to certainty and creating that certainty so that we've got the skills mix to be able to deliver and um, we've got the companies there to be able to deliver and we've got the financing in place so that households and to a certain extent where households can't afford it, local authorities and combined authorities can step into the market. I just want to talk quickly about the Green Prosperity Fund, the £28 billion, uh, that Labour pledged. Obviously, uh, Rachel Reeves, Shadow Chancellor, has since uh, delayed that. Uh, so this plan to borrow £28 billion a year to invest in green jobs and industry. Um, there's reports of further sort of delays and watering down to that. How do you think Labour can balance reaching net zero with fiscal responsibility? Reaching... Net zero is fiscal responsibility because absolutely in order to get to net zero, we're going to have to create a huge number of jobs. Uh, we're going to grow a load of companies. We're going to bring in investment. What we've seen in the States, for instance, with the IRA, uh, what we've seen in Europe and to a certain extent China, is that actually to grow the economy, you have to focus on those big opportunities in terms of what the future looks like. We know the future is going to be a greener, more sustainable future. So let's build the economy in this country that allows us to, take a, to get the benefits of those opportunities. Mm. I was really impressed that when Keir, Rachel and others have said, somebody's going to need to lead the green industrial revolution, someone's going to need, need to be the, the leader when it comes to wind power, tidal, nuclear, etc. Somebody's going to need to do that. Why not us? So absolutely, I think we have to invest in those technologies, in that future, in order to reap those, those rewards. But I think that is fiscal responsibility. Mm. 
David? Yeah, it's just to reiterate that point, prioritise. And, you know, um, we, as I said in my opening remarks, it's, it's not all about the money. It is more, less about subsidy, more about stability. That, that a company that is present in 20 markets uh, around the world is looking for in the UK. You know, we don't need the UK to match the funds committed by the EU or the US. But where the UK really has a, a, a lead is around stable frameworks that give us certainty of investment. We've got the geography, we've got the you know, political will in most places, uh, and it's really about making sure we've got that stable framework to invest. So I just reiterate that point and prioritise where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck. You know, Labour's talking about things like port infrastructure, for example. If we want to make the most, most of our supply chain around new offshore wind and floating offshore wind, that's, there isn't a global supply chain that exists for that yet. So the prize is there to be got, but we need to be putting those foundations in place now if we're going to win a slice of that prize. Mm -hmm. So that's, that, that's what I'd say. I, mean, um, I just want to say I violently agree, I suppose, with the co my co-panelists. And one, uh, in terms of the number front, one way of looking at it is, the, is that the, the UK uh, attracts a lot of foreign investments. It's one of the main recipients of FDI's for foreign direct investments. And for, for more investments to, to be there and actually to fund a potential current account deficit, no, we need stability. We need consistency. We need long-term planning. Uh, that's uh, that's very very important. And, and another aspect is how do we unleash more more capital? I mean. As I mentioned, we, are, we have, uh, in Lloyds Banking Group, we have finance for £10 billion worth of infrastructure and project finance um, transactions over the last five years. We want to do much more, and, uh, and, and, and clients want to do more, and foreign investors uh, want to do more. And, and we can only do more if we provide that stability and the policy mechanisms that actually provide uh, uh, the right allocation of risks and appropriate level of return. I also want to put emphasis on the, on the, on the local aspect of the energy transition and the, the, clean, uh, the clean, uh, clean energy because it's very, very important. Uh, everything is local and even more so. And the UK has significant advantages um, for all the, you know, for all the, the poor in, uh, in the infrastructure stock that currently exists, which is in itself an opportunity. There are, there are industrial clusters in the UK that have a significant advantage in the European scale or even in the world scale. Um, you know, South Wales, for example, um, no, in, in West Midlands, uh, in Scotland, uh, in the Humber, in the Teesside. Uh, I mean, we have provided... South Yorkshire. South, Yor <laughs> South, uh, South, uh, South Yorkshire. Um, uh, absolutely. And, and we've been very active, actually, also there through uh, no, local low-carbon accelerator um, opportunities with a number of clients. Um, just to mention Octopus, Shell, and uh, National Grid, but also we, we're doing a bit with the RWE. But these industrial clusters are where uh, industrial evolution or revolution and energy transition converge alongside regional regeneration. Uh, and this is a significant opportunity, but it can only be unleashed uh, if there is that stability, that consistency, and these policy mechanisms. Uh, let's talk about jobs and skills. So a couple of uh, questions from the audience on this. So how can we stop companies who might be looking to shed staff in the massive policy void before the election um, and give construction pipeline visibility now? Um, so about sort of transitioning workers over to um, the green economy. And another question, what are the biggest skills gaps in delivering net zero across the whole economy by 2050, uh, whether at a local level in South Yorkshire or nationally? So... A bit about how do we transition energy workers over to the green economy? Um, Oliver, you've mentioned before sort of avoiding the mistakes around made during the decline of the coal mining industry in the 1980s. So how do we fairly transition workers over and where are the skill gaps that need to be plugged? Um, Oliver, did you want to? Sure. Uh, well, I mean, we speak with some experience in South Yorkshire of what, um, what happens when you get this wrong. 
because in South Yorkshire we lost thousands upon thousands upon thousands of jobs in a really short space of time. Um, because of the way in which the coal mines were closed down, the steel works were closed down, and the government essentially retrenched from their responsibilities in the north. The EU, at the time the European Commission, said that actually they'd never seen industrial decline on that scale until the post-communist states then joined Europe. That was the only time when they saw actually what is somewhere else that had gone through a similar scale of decline. And we're still living through the scars of that decline. Compare and contrast with somewhere like the Netherlands, where they made a commitment that no, no mine worker, no person who worked down the pits, would um, be out of work as a result of that transition to them closing down their mines. We didn't make that choice. So we have to get that right. But that is a skills challenge. And so that's about organisations like mine, mayoral combined authorities, having a skills strategy which is aligned with our regional industrial strategy. And at the moment, nationally, we certainly don't have the industrial strategy and arguably we don't really have the skills strategy to allow that to happen. So it is about, I think, providing certainty, again, to the market. It is about showing people that we are driving forward with those technologies that are going to make the biggest difference, not just to our communities, but globally, mm -hmm. so that people can see that there is a future them, there for them jobs there for them um, and therefore make the uh, choices to upskill in those areas that allow them to get take advantage of those jobs. David, did you want to come? Yeah, and I think, you know, I've listed a lot of barriers and hurdles we have, but actually probably one of the most existential ones that we face in the UK is around... A, the availability of workforce, and B, the skill level of that workforce to do all the roles that are required here. It, it, is, it is huge. And, you know, a thing that surprised me is this isn't just all about engineers and sort of technicians as well. That's really important, but it's also about project managers, uh, administrators, ecologists, planners, um, even, you know, dare I say, even lobbyists like me. You know, these, these, this is like we need to have a whole cross-section of skills built for the people who are involved in delivering these projects. Um, and, you know, we're, we're not seeing it. You know, we are recruiting plenty of people into our business to help us deliver our projects, but we're recruiting them from the very councils that we're then trying to seek planning permission from, but they don't have enough planners to, to assess our application. You know, it, it, it's a real problem here, and it, 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 it's systemic, and the government needs to be thinking about it as part of that industrial strategy, seeing it as a critical bottleneck that's going to come down the line and increasingly restrict our ability to deploy what we need to deploy in the ground. Um, and they just can't put it in the too difficult box any longer. It's really, really important. I've got time just for one more quick question. Um, what does Labour need to do to unlock private finance to fund the green transition? Uh, Apple? Yeah, I think um, streamlining the planning process, resourcing uh, appropriately. So upskilling is absolutely, absolutely essential. I mean, we do, we, we do that in Lloyds. Everyone goes for training on hydrogen, CCUS, how to electrify the grid and otherwise. Um, uh, provide certainty and consistency in terms of, uh, of uh, industrial policy. Provide uh, the right uh, policy regimes for CFDs and PPAs. Invest more in, uh, in, uh, in infrastructure. So it's, uh, there's a whole range of things to do and the private capital will be there. I think uh, no, when we speak to our clients, they want to invest. And it's really that consistency uh, and that clear strategy. Excellent. Um, unfortunately, we do have to cut this a little short. That's all we've got time for. So thank you so much uh, to our panellists.